Chapter 41 Destruction Magic Practical Assessment After the duel, people started paying more attention to me. Before, I was just a weird fork guy. People who weren't in my classes generally assumed that I was a magic duel. Now, I'm the weird fork guy who boot three guys in a term above him in a duel. Of course, the people later in their school's second year or third year aren't paying attention. Even if they heard the rumors, they know it's not actually that impressive. But in the eyes of the people in terms around me, it is. People I pass in the hallway mutter about me, and instead of the usual, the heck is that? It's more of a, hey, that's the guy who, and so on. As for how the rumor started, well, Oya and Spark aren't exactly the type to keep their mouth shut and there are some people who hang around the tuning rooms to watch. You might be thinking, well, if it's just that, then why is it worth mentioning? It wouldn't be, usually. It's just the rumor took time to make the rounds, and it seems to have rubbed a particular someone the wrong way. Joyce. She and I seem to have a verbal clash almost every time we cross paths now. I don't particularly care. It's not as if I haven't heard worse, but it is mildly irritating and mildly concerning. Would be annoying if she started physically attacking me instead of just verbally. So, I've done some research on her, looked through her memories, listened to her conversations and actions. It's astonishing how much you can learn about someone just from that. Almost immediately, I found out that she is anxious and that one side she didn't used to be last term. It's not her results, those are excellent, but by most standards. But it's obvious in her mannerisms and speech, the occasional outbursts of misplaced anger that she's immediately regrets. I dug a little deeper, she's a little rough around the edges and has had difficulty making friends here, but appreciates the few that she has, spending most of her free time with them. Turns out she actually spends a lot of time in the library, and just as well, she is not nocturnal, so we rarely see each other in there. I suppose that she might think that I rarely visit the library because of that, and, well, I don't take notes in class for obvious reasons, but I can still answer most of the teacher's questions. It's almost obvious that she'd be angry with me, and does nothing and breezes through on talent. But all in all, she's a good person, keeps to the rules, I can relate. The only problem is the anxiety and stress. She seems to be venting it on me. Fair enough, I can deal with that. The real problem would be if she snaps. Does anything on impulse would be a bad for her and possibly me. Then again, not much I can do about that if ifs. I can only deal with it when and if it comes. You know, it feels kind of odd. Joe's not in most of my classes anymore, just my light magic and fire magic ones. Seems he's doing mostly creation and alteration elemental magic, apart from this one. Don't know if he should be glad or concerned that I'm not seeing him more often. My home is quite a ways away, Oya remarks in response to Spark's question. Ha, a ways away, a ways away, that's funny. Um, the village... It's pretty small, so everyone knows each other. My family runs a farm, sheep and corn and stuff. It's hard work, but I kind of miss the lambs. They're so cute and playful. And Fluffy, Spark waves his fists in the air. I just want to bury myself into the fur sometimes. Lamar raises an eyebrow at his antics. What? Spark grumbles. They're cute. We have a couple of them in our village, and they provide enough wool for the whole place. 
Don't need much when you're small. It's great. They're smelly, Lamar shrugs. And messy. I don't get what's so cute. You only have experience with them on ships, right? I ask, continuing as he shrugs the affirmative. Confined spaces for days or weeks on end. Any livestock would be pretty bad. They're much better on land. Still smell a bit, though. You can smell. Spark tilts his head, squinting at me. I thought those magic tools only let you see and hear. Not really, I reply apprehensively. It's complicated. More complicated than formations to control the wind, Lamar asks. You have a point. It's not anything that complex, just strange, I agree, resigned. And I suppose we have known each other for a while now. I used to be human. That's why I know what things smell like and how they taste. I remember. Wait, what? Ouya turns his head almost completely sideways, floored by the statement. Lamar frowns, shaking his head slightly. How does that work? People don't just turn into another race, let alone a fork. Show Ouya, Lamar and Spark second life. I died, I answered simply, and before you ask, I don't know how. I was at home, and then there was a flash of light, and then I was a fork. From what I've been able to gather, there was probably a god involved in... This, I say, referring to, well, my entire second life. Whoa, Spark breathes. No wonder you're so smart. You're probably older than us, right? A bit, I admit. So, uh, which god? Lamar asks. Your guess is as good as mine, I say helplessly. Probably better. I'm not really familiar with the gods. Probably could be if I reviewed all the memories of the churches that I've been past the conversations between the paladins, the priests, and back when we were fighting the necromancer. But I haven't had the time to do that yet. Not like it's urgent. First one that comes to mind is the god of death, Lamar shrugs. They say that he's one of the most powerful gods, and that he oversees death itself. It's something odd happened with your death. Chances are he had something to do with it. That makes a lot of sense, I answer, somewhat surprised that someone had some potentially related information. I'll look into it at some point. Thanks, Lamar. Overall, I think it went quite well. This revelation of my origins and age didn't alienate me from the group, and I might as well give a clue towards the circumstances of my death, even if only a small one. Remember, the contract dictates that when you summon the Earth Elemental, you have to feed it with mana. Neglect to do this and the compact will be voided. The elemental will not respond to another summons and you will have to restart again with a new elemental. The teacher reminded us. We were standing at the base of a mountain, the one that Ouya, Lamar, Spark and I went up to last time. It was an exciting day for the class, the day when we all tried to summon our first elemental. We worked on your elemental summoning formations last lesson so there should be no excuses. The teacher states, Pick a spot, spread out a bit and put all your formations down. We'll go one by one, just in case. The summons go smoothly. The vast majority of the class only are able to summon a low-tier elemental. They're small, can't even maintain a humanoid shape, and are capable only of weak earth manipulation. There are a couple people who manage to summon mid-tier elementals, both of them aren't as, um, naive, isn't the word, maybe, but not as innocent as the rest of the students. From the amount of mana they used, I can tell that they aren't as low level as the rest of the students. I, myself, did the same, summoning a mid-tier elemental. 
It's not like the hulking, slightly larger-than-man elementals that the mole beast woman had summoned. Those were probably high-tier elementals, but it's around the same size as Uya, a mini-man of earth and rock. When it comes to summoning elementals, there is three main mana costs. Obviously, it takes mana just to summon them if the first place. Then there is the summoning fee. The mana you give to the summoning as payment for summoning them, as per the contract. Then there's the summoning upkeep. As much as smaller as a constant amount you feed the summoned as a payment for staying there. The contract itself is also a mana cost, but that's a once-off. I'll only have to do that again when I summon another, different elemental at some point. Theoretically, I might be able to summon a different type of elemental if I wanted, but the real problem wouldn't be the summoning, it would be the contract and the managing of the elemental after summoning it. Each type of elemental has different characteristics and base desires. Earth elementals are the least intelligent, but also the easiest to manage. The others I don't know too much about, and that could potentially be a problem if I were to try. It's nice having someone to carry things for me. He's, or rather they're, not very intelligent, but simply instructions like wait or carry this, they can follow without too much confusion, particularly if I make them in Terran. Doubt there'll be much help in a fight, but that's fine. Just being able to carry things that are more than a featherweight is a big help to me. The Earth Elemental follows me around to classes, carrying things for me if I need them. These sorts of things, summoned elementals and the like, are permitted at the academy, so long as they don't cause harm or inconvenience to the other students. Like I can imagine a fire elemental might. They aren't allowed in the library though, but that's not much of a problem. When it's not summoned, it leaves behind a small rock, its summoning catalyst. I carry that around with me, just in case I happen to need it. So you can't even deign to carry your own things anymore? Joyce mutters spitefully, brushing past my desk on the way to the door. I don't bother to reply. Experience has told me that she won't listen to what I say anyway, but not to tempt fate by antagonizing her further. Right, please follow me, I instruct the elemental in Terran. It is a bright morning in my class and needs to head out a practical test for the fire magic. Our class of twenty is accompanied by only our teacher, who leads us further away from the academy. Some of the students are jostling each other about, joking with each other and making light of the practical assessment. Whether to calm their nerves or just bravado, it is difficult to tell. Curious, I ask the teacher, what will we be doing with the corpses? The teacher glances at me. The few that we can salvage will be taken back to sold. As if of sound of it, he doesn't want us to turn them into charred mess. I can do that. Once we arrive at, uh, this very empty area, the teacher opens a bag that he had been carrying. This will attract any nearby monsters, the teacher states. There shouldn't be many, but it'll manage to be making sure that they can come one at a time. When I call your name, you will need to step forward and kill a monster using only fire magic. Soon, the various monsters, or beasts really, emerge from the surrounding area. All manner of animals, from boars to bobcats, congregating towards us. The other students subconsciously shuffle closer together. In contrast to fearful reactions, the teacher is completely calm as if they erect a flaming barrier around the class. Even being composed of relatively cool flames, it is enough to ward off the unintelligent beasts. But they remain pacing just outside the barrier. 
their eyes fixed on the bag of growling aggressively towards any of the beasts that ventured too close. The teacher calls out a name and a boy jumps slightly in shock and panic. His heart rate increasing significantly, the teacher gestures for everyone to step back and erect more barriers to single out the single monster and guide it into the newly created gap in the initial barrier perimeter. Begin, the teacher instructs. The boy, mid-teen, really doesn't appear too enthused, but luckily for him, neither is the bobcat opposite him. It seems torn between going for the bag and bolting out of the place with so many people with so much fire. After taking a deep breath, he recites an incantation, and a textbook fireball sallies forth in his outstretched hand, missing the bobcat but hitting the ground with enough force and size and heat that it dies anyway, letting out an ear-piercing shriek as it does so. He covers his mouth with his hand, but that isn't able to hide the prevent the upheaval of bile that spills from the ground. I am not too sure whether that's from getting something or from the smell. I've never smelt what burning flesh and fur is like, and I intend to keep it that way, but I imagine that it would not be pleasant. Indeed, not a few of the other students pinch their noses to cover their mouths and nose with their sleeve. The teacher, however, does not. Fire magic is very destructive and is effective against almost any living thing. The teacher shakes his head. This is one of the drawbacks. I've mentioned it before. But something like this has to be experienced to be understood fully. Next is... The corpse of the bobcat, most of it burnt beyond any use, is tossed by the teacher outside the ring of fire. When it comes my turn, the teacher starts guiding a lion in. Are you able to handle this? they ask. I think so, I reply. So long as it's an ordinary beast, there shouldn't be any problem kidding it, but you never can tell before you try. I move from the front and the teacher lets the lion in. It paces forward, and I hover a bit higher, not wanting to be within the reach of something goes wrong. It paces forward, its gaze shifting between me and the rest of the group. A formation begins to form in front of me, and although it shouldn't be visible, the lion seemingly reacts to it by charging towards me but it's not like I haven't practiced casting before. I am fast. Not the fastest, probably not by a long shot, but fast. Before the lion can cross half the distance between us, my formation is completed, and a bolt of fire shoots out faster than an arrow. The lion flinches, turns its head just enough so that my shot would miss the target. Well, as if there wasn't a guidance component in it as well. I adjusted its direction, and it plunges into the lion's eye. The heat causing it to burst and the spell continues beyond. Level 6 lion killed, experience 105. The lion crumples to the ground dead. Hey, hey, someone stammers. You can't do that, that's cheating. Dead is dead, I simply reply. I don't hear the lion complaining. What Gerald did was perfectly acceptable, states the teacher, so long as you only use fire destruction magic. Any method is valid. A few more people take the turns, and I notice something odd. Coming in the, from the edge of my manasite, I see a large group of people heading towards us from the west, and not just in our general direction either, directly towards us. Sir, I say, discomfort already settling in my mind. There's a group of people coming towards us from the west. Really? The teacher squints into the distance. Probably adventurous shouldn't be an issue. They're coming directly towards us, sir, I caution. And, sir, I have mana sight. Speaking just in terms of mana pool capacity, they're all almost as large as yours, sir. 
Don't worry, he replies, they're just passing by on the way to the city. Nobody would attack people from the academy. Fine. Think what you want to think. So, will I? I might be paranoid. I might just be assuming the worst for no reason. But I am also a fork. A fork who was born with almost nothing. Partly due to my paranoia, I am not dead yet. And I plan on keeping that way. If it's a false alarm, happy days. I drop to the ground if there's two places that people really look. It's right above them and right below them. The chances of someone seeing what I'm doing down here is pretty low. I absorb myself a little tunnel and worm my way out of my little harness to form manipulation. It's useful socially, hearing, talking, and reading, but in a fight, an actual fight rather than a duel, they would just slow me down and make me more obvious. Still, I can't ditch them, the academy's property. So I'll just throw them shallowly in an underground. I came back up to get them later. No problem. A little dirt and moisture won't damage them. I hope. They haven't stopped moving towards us. The teacher is looking in the direction, and I can see despite what he said, he's getting a bit tense. Everyone in the group is wearing robes, not unusual, as most natural fibers offer better manner conductivity than leather, iron, or steel. Following behind them are two large carts, each pulled by a horse. Both are conspicuously empty. But something else of note, well... I may not know much about the process of creating magic tools, but from what I've read in Basic Logic, one of the most common, perhaps the most common, competent of magic tools is a mana gathering. It gathers ambient mana in use of fueling the tool, lessening or eliminating the amount the user needs to eject. What that means is that someone like me can see that sort of thing, a slow pull of ambient mana towards an object. And these people, they're quite the suction of mana, Chances are they have quite a few magic tools, or just a couple of powerful ones. All I can do now is wait. If they do end up being friendly, an unprovoked attack would be rude, to say the least. Besides, from what I can see, the simple offensive spells I know would be wholly ineffective. They might not, too, but they probably would be. Let's be honest, they're coming straight for us, have been for quite a distance, they knew where we would be, so it follows that they would know where we are and what we're doing. In that case, if their intentions are malicious, it would also follow that they're inconfident about defending themselves from fire magic. They got closer. One kilometer. Half. Two hundred meters. Everyone's a bit uncomfortable now. They can see over two dozen robed men, but none of the Wetham Academy robes, heading straight towards them. They can also see that the teacher doesn't know who they robe men are. That makes them nervous. 100 meters. A dozen of them shrug something off of their shoulders, the tools containing a spear, the point them towards us. Ah, crap. As soon as they start making their moves, our teacher makes his and yells, Get down! The barrier of fire flickers out once and goes out, but rather than attacking, the wild beasts flee. Instinctively fleeing in the magnitude of mana spiraling out towards them as the teacher creates a new formation. Even as the spears take to the air, a new barrier forms in the dome of flame that causes the air to shimmer, and the earth surrounding it to be stripped of all the grass from other life. The few beasts unfortunate or stupid enough to not have gotten far enough away from now die instantly. 
the fur on their bodies drifting away as the ash of their blood boiled within them. But I am not reassured. Not at all. The trajectories of those spears, unless there's something seriously wrong with their brains, weren't aimed at us. But around us, a containment of a wide area attack seemed likely. Neither bode well. I exit my little hole and thin myself into the shape of a long needle before re-entering the ground at an angle, this time creating an entry hole practically invisible to the casual observer, no bigger than the entrance of an ant's nest. I bore myself deeper and deeper, tens of meters down. I doubt the effect of the spears, whatever they may be, would extend underground, but if so, I don't want to be anywhere near it. The spears land and their positioning creates a basis for a dodecagram and a twelve-pointed star. Trails of light snake between the grounded spears in an instant, and then with a flash that encompasses the entire area, hitting the teacher with every single student, with the sole exception being me. Everyone drops to the ground, unconscious, the hearts of a few people have even stopped beating. I can't do anything to fix that, I have to focus on what I can do. There's not much time and they're already coming. It's essential that they don't know about me. It's too risky trying to take all of them on, even if the element of surprise is on my side. I ascend out of my hole, keeping close to the ground as I can, using the bodies to ensure that the approach's party has no line of sight on me. I pick a student at random, one of the ones just unconscious, and hide in their pockets, reverting to the form of a fork. Then I still... Are they okay? One of them asks. They're out, answers the another. Quick, go around and restart their hearts. Make note of the ones that are really only unconscious. They could be at higher levels. They want us alive. That's something, I guess. Sacrificial magic? No, they would just find ordinary folk. No reason to go around and risk targeting the academy. Unless the sacrifices need to be magically gifted. But no... Chances are they're holding us ransom. If they wanted information or magical knowledge, they would only want the teacher. The rest of us don't really have any notable skills that they might want. Unless is anyone in the class nobility. The children of nobles are more common than the academy than most other places. But then they would only want those specific people. They wouldn't care about the rest. So it's probably not money. They want us something from the academy. No clue what. The robe men go around checking the students' pulses, using magic tools that appears to have similar purpose to a defibrillator when they find one. Stopping the erratic heartbeat before one use of another tool to restart it, then they tie their hands behind their backs and load them onto the carts. Once everyone is in the carts, they yank the spears from where they were embedded in the ground and turn around and get out of there. We travel for, I think, hours. They change direction frequently and only stop occasionally to cast a spell on the still unconscious students. Some sort of sleep spell from what I gather from the few things that they say to each other. I can only assume that it has no effect on me because I'm literally unable to sleep. Eventually, they reach their destination, a solitary place that I can only describe as a compound. There are a few buildings of varying sizes, all surrounded by a wall which is as tall and not particularly thick, probably only good for keeping the interiors away from the eyes of the casual observers. 
Once inside, they and the other people start unloading the students and teacher and begin searching them, taking any weapons or magic tools that they find. But nobody suspects the fork. Nobody suspects the fork, right? Why would they suspect the fork? Please let them be too lazy to research the students in the class. End of chapter.